Welcome to the Pathway Church Podcast, where you'll find fresh messages uploaded weekly. Pathway Church is a Bible-based church located in Peterborough, Ontario, and we're on a mission to reach people far from God and see them become devoted followers of Jesus. We hope that what you hear today will help you to take one step closer to Jesus. Thanks so much for joining us, and if you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe. Hi, everybody. Good morning. How are you doing? A quick thank you to Todd. I just really appreciated that prayer time this morning, Todd. That was a neat thing to be able to do, and so thanks for setting that up. And thanks for coming, everybody. It's a pleasure to be here. My name is Ken, and I've uh, been asked to do a message. I always love doing this. But first and foremost, I want you all to appreciate this nice box that I wrapped myself. Okay? I did this. I was tempted to take this to the local toy store, buy something small, and, and, and take advantage slash abuse their gift wrapping uh, policy and, and get them to wrap this instead. But I didn't. I didn't. I did that all myself. So this is going to come into play a little bit later. Um, but for now, I'm just going to put it here so you can see how nice and in front it is. You got it? Okay, good. All right. So it is the middle of August, and I thought I would start by telling you a story about Christmas because, you know, that made sense to me. It just seemed to fit. So I want to tell you about when I was about 10 years old or so, and I got this present under the tree, and it was a little thin little present said, to Kenny, Merry Christmas, love mom. And so I opened it, and it was like a book, like the size of a passport, a little bit bigger than a passport, and it was totally blank, nothing in it. So I sort of inconspicuously flipped through it to see if a nice crisp 20 would fall out, and it did not. And so I did what any good, well-raised 10-year-old ought to do in that circumstance. I faked it. I totally faked that I liked, oh, mom, yeah, you know, it's great, thank you. And my mom, I think she was distracted by something, sort of gave me a, oh, no problem, Merry Christmas, sweetie, and that was, and we moved on. It was about four or five terrible presents later that my family finally clued in that it was all just my biggest brother who had laced the tree with bad presents, none of them from him, just from other people, just to see what we would do when we opened them. So, The message that I want to share today is about how older siblings are... No, wait. It's about gratitude. I really want to spend some time today and talk about gratitude and how important it is and wonderful it is, but I'm hoping that we can get a little bit honest. Because if I'm going to be honest about that Christmas, there was a 10-year-old self who knew to fake it, knew I ought to be grateful and knew to fake it. But inside that 10-year-old self was a 4-year-old self. And the four-year-old self would have been quite happy to kick and scream and tell my mom that that present totally stunk and I hated it. But I buried that four-year-old. And I really want to talk this morning about the four-year-old inside us who, if we're really honest, takes a look at so many things in our lives and says, this thing totally stinks and I hate it. Okay, so to get us rolling, I'm going to need a few helpers. I need two volunteers to help me out with something. Very brave volunteers, if I could. Every hand goes up at once. Okay, Lorraine's going to do it. I prepped her beforehand, so she knew she had to. I'm going to look around. Um, any of the Vosses? Ron, Carrie, you willing to help me out? Ron has lost. Carrie has lost rock, paper, scissors. And she is good. Thank you. Thank you. A round of applause, please, for Carrie and Lorraine. Now, Carrie, if you could stand over here on this side. Lorraine over here. How are you doing today? Good. Good? You good? Okay. What you're going to do in front of all these people is very difficult. Okay. You're going to accept from me a present. Okay. Feeling good? All right. Awesome. No problem. So I've got, I've got my present and I will, mm, uh, 
Mm. Lorraine, you're going to have this one, but I'm going to put it right there, and don't touch it. Just look at it. Hey, it's a good-looking present, though, isn't it? Okay, I really worked hard on that. For you, Carrie, okay, hang on. I've got here for you in this bag. Let's see. Okay, this. Here we go. And if you can't see, this fine present is wrapped with some paper towel from the men's room, and that is for you. Go ahead. You can open that right. You're welcome in advance. You can open that up. Yeah, I I tried to get some for the kitchen, but didn't have any. So, what do you got there? You can tell everybody. It's a caramel bar. All right, fantastic. Yes, yeah. And that is for you. How do you feel about your caramel bar? Great, good. <laughs> good answer. You passed the sermon. Um, okay, fantastic. And that's for you and for free. Now, are you ready? Yeah. Okay, you can. Mm, okay, you can go ahead and you can open that up now. That is for you. Go ahead. I didn't say shake it. You kind of ruin it. And go ahead and open it up. The top just comes off. And it is? It's a chocolate chip. It's a chocolate chip. All right, your last for you. How do you feel about your chocolate chip? It's very exciting. Is, is that like your adult answer in front of all these people sort of answer? That's the real deal? It, it, thank you very much. The four-year-old answer is real. I love it. I was hoping I'd get some honesty. The four-year-old inside of you is saying, this present totally stinks, and I hate it. And that would be fair. Harsh, but fair. So, uh, thank you for your help. You can, uh, you can go take your seats. Okay. Oh, well, okay. Fine. I'll, I'll eat that. That's great. Okay. Thank you very much. Wait, Lorraine, hang on. I've got a caramel bar for you, too. There you go. Okay, thank you. Give them a round of applause. All right. So what was the deal with that? Why on earth did I do that? What I want to talk about here was the four-year-old himself that said, what, this present totally stinks, and I hate it. Because if I had been out in the entrance hall, and I had passed Lorraine, and I had in my hand a bag of chocolate chips, and I said, hey, Lorraine, you want one? She may have said, yeah, sure, thanks. Taken a chocolate chip and been on her merry way, right? But for some reason here on the stage with big fancy yellow present and someone else getting a caramel bar, there was something that changed. Something that changed from, hey, thanks for the chocolate chip to like, what is this? So what on earth changed? And this is the focus of really the whole message today. It was expectations, I played with expectations there. I ramped this thing up. I put it front and center. I said it was wrapped nice. And so, because someone else had gotten something and because that looked better, Lorraine assumed, she expected, that she was going to get something big. So when she gets a chocolate chip, which is better than nothing, I mean, I could have given you nothing today. I thought about putting nothing in the box, actually, but I put a chocolate chip in there. You you, you know, you should have been at least like, oh, hey, thanks for the chocolate chip. Instead of that, you feel ah, put out. The four-year-old inside you hates it. So here's the point of my message here today, boldly is, what you expect impacts how you feel. What you expect impacts how you feel. Now, I think this is true. This makes sense to me, and I've got some uh, verses from the Bible that I'm going to share that I hope will back this up. But in the meantime, I decided to do a little more research of my own. Sorry, my ear is not as big as Nathan's. And so, I sent out some texts this week. I sent out some texts to some folks, and I said, hey, can you just tell me about the worst present you've ever received? Now, it was awesome. I have had a hilarious week. And this church is full of wonderful people who have given some 
awful presents. And I got phone calls. Like, I would text someone and say, yeah, you know, just text me back and you're able to ring. I'm like, oh, okay. I picked them up. Like, you don't understand. I can't text this. I have to tell you all about it. And they're telling me these stories and they're, and they're impassioned. I had one person call and say, okay, you, so my in-laws, wait, are you going to share this on Sunday? <laughs> and I'm like, okay. So I, I swore I would, no specifics. I wouldn't do specifics. I swore that I, uh, I, you know, I had to sign something, say I wouldn't do specific. No, no specifics other than a giant bologna in a stocking. One specific. That's all. Just one. Okay. Other than that, no specifics. But I heard the same theme time and time again. Every story that came back would say something like, Ken, it was Christmas, and it was a really special Christmas for me, and all I got was a something, no specifics. Or it was our first anniversary, and he thought that I would actually like no specifics. Or it was like we got married, okay, and for some reason she thought it'd be cool to get me a no specifics. Okay, those are the kinds of stories I heard, and they were excellent, and I had a hilarious week or two getting these responses. What I didn't hear, not once, was anyone say, oh, well, Ken, it was a, um, yeah, it was a Thursday, and someone that I know reasonably well offered me, you know, a snack, and I was like, get that mess out of here. Your gift insults me. No one said that. No one did that. Every story had some sort of special occasion, some sort of tradition, something where people had taken their expectations And they'd ramp these expectations up so that when they got something, when they got a gift, when they got something for nothing, they weren't just like, oh, they were were put out. They were angry. There was a four-year-old inside. One story I got was a four-year-old, told me that four-year-old actually threw the present back at the gift giver, saying, what is this? I already have one of these. And for those of you who aren't four, it was like the 25-year-old man saying, I was trying not to cry, Ken. The four-year-old was this close to coming out. We've all got it. And so the sermon and, and the message as I was crafting it, I was really thinking, what am I trying to say and what am I trying to tell people? And it really came down to counting your blessings, right? And that, but that sounds a little cliche, count your blessings. And I wanted to give it um, just a little more oomph than that. Because I don't always appreciate when someone just tells me, oh, just, you know, just, just decide to be happier, just decide to do the right thing. Counting your blessings is not so easy. How do I decide? How do I turn on gratitude? Why is it that I find myself ungrateful in a situation where I would have been before? And this is really the key we want to explore, expectations. It's not just expectations start out high, it's also expectations slide. They grow, they change over time. And things that we get or we receive that we're really excited about at first, over time, they become our normal. They become our baseline. How many of us experienced that with a, with a house, right? And we had a, a privilege to a house and it had all these new things and features. And then, and then later on, we're like, I cannot live without main floor laundry. And main floor laundry is great. But like we set our expectations in such a way that anything that is less than what we have set our mind on is unacceptable. And from that, we're robbed, robbed of a lot of opportunity for joy and this thing called gratitude. So, I want to explore a message that uh, Jesus put forward in the Bible, okay? And it's in Matthew, verse 20. We're going to put it up, and we're going to read it together, okay? And this is a parable. Now, a parable is something in the Bible where Jesus was telling a story. So, it's like an illustrative example. It is not uh, something that, as far as I understand it, would have actually happened in so much as Jesus saying, it's, here's uh, something from you, for you to learn from. So in this story, Jesus starts by saying, the kingdom of heaven is like. 
looks like. The way it ought to be is like this. A landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. Okay? So this landowner, he, he's an employer, and he needs some help, and he's going out to hire some workers for the day. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day, and he sent them to his vineyard. All right, so a couple of things I've highlighted there. He's hired them, and they've got an agreement. They have figured out the baseline for what is fair, okay? And it's good to do that when you're trying to make a contract with other people. You make sure you figure out what is right and good and fair, okay? Now, if the story continued to say the workers went out and they worked for the day, and they came back and he paid them their silver denarius, first of all, that would be a pretty boring story. And second of all, they would probably have left with nothing to teach us, saying, thanks for the day's wage, I'd love to work with you again tomorrow. Sounds good. Handshake on their way. But that's not what happens. What happens next is this. About nine in the morning, he, that's the landowner, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard, and I'll pay you whatever is right. So not a formal agreement. He's saying, just trust me, I'm going to take care of this. And so they went. Moving on, he went out again. Went out again about noon. He went out about three in the afternoon. He did the same thing. About five in the afternoon, he went out and found others standing around. Now, at this point, the way that the language um, portrays it, he's going out kind of saying, what are, you, what are you still doing here? Like, you have nothing to do. And they're, they're saying, no one's hired us. And so what happens is the, 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 the landowner, he hires them. And I think really the flavor I get is he's doing them a really big favor here, right? They're, they've got no work for the day. He's saying, you know what? I can, I can give you something. Come work for me, okay? And he's really looking out for them. This is a gracious thing that he's doing. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and moving on to the first. The workers, who were hired about five in the afternoon, came and each received a denarius. Now, if you remember, back to slide number one, a denarius was what the landowner had agreed to pay the people who are going to work all day. So, when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. Now, I understand where they're coming from, okay? If I were there and I had worked all day in the hot sun and through the long hours and I looked at someone else and said they got here at the end of the day, did a little bit, and they're getting this much, I would hope to get that much, okay? And I don't think this story would be the same if the message was when it came to them, they had hoped they might get more. But that's not what it says. It says that they expected to receive more. Somewhere, they made a transition between saying, boy, it'd be great to get more. Wouldn't it be nice? Maybe I'll get a bonus to saying, I better. I had better, or else that is now the baseline for what is fair and what is right. But each of them also received a denarius. And when they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. They grumbled. They weren't just like, well, shucks. That's lame. I had thought maybe I might get a bonus. Those people got a really sweet deal. I thought maybe I'd get a sweet deal. No, they were angry. They were grumbling. And what that implies is that they hadn't just moved to a place of saying, oh, this would be a nice extra. They'd moved to a place where they figured that getting extra was their right. They ought to. 
It was fair. That was the baseline for what they should get. And when they didn't get that baseline, suddenly they're angry. They're let down. Now, the landowner addresses this because he sees it. He sees them grumbling. He hears it. He answers one of them. He gives, he gives them back their perspective. I'm not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Or are you just being envious because I'm generous? Let's put this back into perspective. What they got was a bonus, was a really sweet deal. What you got was fair. And because they got a sweet deal, you now expected the sweet deal. Because someone else got a caramel bar, the chocolate chip is no good. The chocolate chip's still in there. I'm going to eat that chocolate chip later on. Because someone else got the caramel bar, the chocolate chip is suddenly no good. If you just received the chocolate chip, you would have been fine. What's the difference? Expectation. That's why every time we're disappointed, every story I got, it was about Christmas. Or it was about birthday presents. It was about uh, our wedding anniversaries, or these special days, or these special traditions, where what's different? Well, the, the earth still spins around, you know, like the same as every other day. What's different? It's our hearts, as it always is. It's something about our hearts, and it's the expectation that we ought to be here. Now, another kind of cliche that came to me, and in the last one I struggled to remember it, but I think I've got it this time, is money can't buy happiness. You hear that one, right? You hear that, that money can't buy happiness. And I, I was thinking on that over the last couple of weeks. I was like, well, I mean, money's pretty good. <laughs> I can buy some pretty good things that make me feel pretty good with my own. I think money is a bad thing. And I, I know some memories that we've invested in with my family. Those have been good things. So what is this really getting at when it's saying money can't buy happiness? And what I think is that there's a common occurrence that with an increase of, of money and with an increase of having in our life comes not just an increase, but a ballooning of expectation. Our increase in what we have access to and suddenly what we expect to be able to do and receive in our lifestyle and everything just becomes this. And now we're living less than this expectation and we're unhappy and we're ungrateful. It impacts the people around us and it impacts us. So it's really hard. So what I'd like to do over the next little while is I would like for us to take a look at a bit of a table if you know me, you know I'm a bit of an engineer technical kind of type. No message is complete without a table or a math equation or circles converging or something. So I'm sorry, we're going to have to do this table. But I hope this will be helpful for you as you just take a look at it, okay, and reflect on an area where maybe you're finding in your life that there's been a shift or a movement or a pressure and it's due to expectations changing. So let's fill this in. This table here has got two columns. And the one on the right, the column on the right, are the things in your life that you have a right to. You can claim that it is fair and just and equitable for you to have these things. This would be like your basic human rights, being treated with dignity, respect, right? This is about getting a fulfillment of a contract that you have signed. So if you're working and you've agreed to work for an age, for a wage, then you're being paid your fair wage. That's all part of this column. Marriages... This is about a faithfulness in line with what you vowed on your wedding day. There are elements here that are good and right to expect because you have a right to them. But bad news is there's not a lot in the world that falls in this category. Most of the world falls on the left. It's things that you do not have a right to. You would like to have. They would be great to have. But actually, when it comes down to it, the world doesn't owe you that much. And it certainly doesn't owe you these things. These are... You, drip, you come to the drive-thru at 11 o'clock and they're out of chicken nuggets. And you can't believe it because you have a 
right to chicken nuggets when you say so. We need an honest perspective here that says, wait a second, this isn't the element of things that are an extra for me, a bonus for thing. It's so much of our life around us. Not just our stuff, relationships. This is my, this is my marriage where um, I was excited because, uh, you know, they, they just treated me so well and, and they always took out the garbage. And now I find myself taking out the garbage one day and saying, I have a right to never touch garbage again. Because I didn't for a while, now I expect it. My expectation has shifted. Now that's normal. And when it doesn't happen, I'm angry. Or I've lost, certainly lost my gratitude. So let's look at some circumstances together on the left. These are positions and places you can be. And then in the middle, we'll fill out the table about how you're going to feel. Okay, so you want something. You really want it, okay, and you don't have it yet. You're looking for something, you're saying, boy, that would be something, oh, boy, that would be great, okay? If you have a perspective that's understanding that you don't have a right to that thing, you would like it, but you don't have a right to it, then what you are is wishful, okay? You're hoping, boy, I'd like that thing. It would be nice to get. And I think lots of us get an idea of something new and say, wouldn't it be great one day if we had this? Or wouldn't it be awesome this day if I found someone who was like this? These are things that I, I just, I would dream of. And that would be great. I'd win the lottery. It would be fantastic. But as expectations come into the scene and they start to put a pressure in your life, because the expectations are going to push you from left to right, okay? From left to right, from your perspective. Wishful becomes entitled. You believe you have a right to this thing. You're entitled. Now, I just said the E word, and every millennial in this room is like, oh! Don't call me entitled. I've been called entitled my whole life. I'm sick of it. And everyone who's not a millennial is saying, don't call me entitled. Millennials are entitled. What are you talking about? So, bad news, everybody. We are all entitled. Okay? We all shift from a place of being wishful and hopeful to a place of being entitled and saying, this thing I have a right to. Now, there are some areas of our life, as I mentioned, where that's okay. That's true. If you go up the graph or the chart and you look at at the top column, you say, do I have a right to this thing? Yeah, I am entitled to be paid my fair wage when it's agreed on. I am entitled to being treated with respect and dignity as a human being. Those things are fine. But so many areas in our life, we slide over from saying it'd be great to have to I better have it or else. Next circumstance here is I get it. I get that thing. Or, and this is harder, I've had it for a while and I continue to have it. If I understand that it's a perk, it's a bonus, it's a thing that I never really could lay claim to, but I have it, someone has given it to me, it is a gift, albeit a single chocolate chip in a box, then I'm grateful. I understand I don't have a right to it, I'm grateful. Okay? Even if I'm looking around and saying, well, someone else got some other things, but I don't deserve this, I didn't do anything for this, I didn't do anything on my birthday, being born, but that was less my fault. I'm grateful. (laughs) I'm grateful. The pressure of expectations takes us away from that. Okay, it takes us again from left to right. I think I got a right to this thing. I ought to have it. And when I get it or when I continue to have it, the best I can do is satisfied. I'm satisfied with my encounter. Yep, I got what I was owed. Thank you very much. Being satisfied doesn't have as much joy in it as being grateful. But where it becomes really damaging is when you're satisfied saying, yep, you've met my expectations, and you look up and you realize, actually, I don't have a right to this thing, and where I'm operating, where my heart is at, just isn't true. It's just not true. Okay, the last circumstance is you lose it, or you don't get it. 
in the first place. And this might be something that people kind of hit home because they think this is something that we'll have a memory in our life, okay, where this is, uh, this, is, this is true in our life. Now, if you recognize, again, you don't have a right to this thing and you don't get it, I'm not telling you you have to be really happy about it, okay? I don't, I'm not actually telling Lorraine she should have been like, ho, 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 a chocolate chip, that's the best. She got a caramel bar, but that's totally cool. What I am saying is that if you understand you don't have a right to it, then where you're going to be is disappointed. It's going to be a place that says, no, darn. I'm disappointed it isn't showing up, but it should show up any minute now in yellow. But so, No, okay, okay, the next one, there it is, it says disappointed. Okay, so you're disappointed. In the story with these workers in the vineyard, it didn't describe them as being disappointed. It didn't say they, they saw the other people got a bonus, and when they got their pay, said, oh, hmm. Dang, that's too bad. I thought maybe I might get a bonus, but, but I get it. I get it. I didn't deserve any more. I, I can't fault anybody here. I just had, had hoped, but I'll deal with that. That's what disappointment looks like. But expectation, it shifts us. It moves us over from left to right, and where you don't get something or you lose something, you're no longer disappointed. You feel you have a right to it. Now you're angry. And that's something I hope that we'll just take a second and look at. Areas in our life where we might be saying, I'm really angry about that thing that I didn't get or that thing that I lost or that thing that I feel is taken from me. And when you are just wrapping your head around that, you move up the graph to the top and you say, oh, okay, if I'm angry, then I'm operating in a place where I believe I have a right to this thing. Maybe you're right. Maybe you're angry over something that someone has really wronged you about. And if that's the case, you've got a, certainly a journey and, and, and a challenge, and I hope that people will come around you and help you with that. But more often than not, I believe we move up and we say, oh, I have a right to that thing. No, I don't. In fact, it's a little embarrassing. There's a YouTube video that I have not yet watched, but in talking about this message with some other folks, they referenced it and thought I might want to take a look at it, that shows people absolutely losing their mind at drive throughs <laughs> Absolutely. And like... I laugh at it, but then I'm like, last time the smoothie machine was getting cleaned, I was disappointed, <laughs> but not angry. I was disappointed. I was, there was inside me, I'll be honest with you, inside me, there's a four-year-old. And that four-year-old is kicking and screaming, saying, this present totally stinks, and I hate it. And why is that happening? The four-year-old doesn't, they don't get that they don't deserve it. They have a right to it. They just figure the world works really simply. They have a right to everything. And so their expectations is they're going to get it. Their expectation is going to get it. After this service, I know that the, uh, uh, some of the folks went back to the kids' room. The kids were doing exactly this. One kid got two Christ Krispie squares. And all the kids were suddenly, I expect two Christ Krispie squares. It's hard to guard and control our expectations. It takes a certain level of maturity and, and, and a, an adult perspective to say, this actually isn't something that I have a right to. So I'm not going to allow myself to shift over to entitled or just satisfied, or, or, or angry. To sort of close us out here, I just want to offer one quick story, just to refresh some perspective. I, um, I, this isn't ma- meant to make us all feel bad. It was just something powerful that stuck in my memory. It was from a long time ago. I went with my wife to Guatemala. Um, we actually went this summer, but this story is not from this summer. This, this story is from 11 years ago when uh, my wife and I went. And while we were there, we helped uh, a community 
assemble some, some meager housing. We, uh, we didn't build it per se, but we put the pieces together and we helped assemble these small houses for these people that really lived um, outside. They didn't have much. They had some, some kind of corn husk walls and that was about it. And so we went and we had assembled this house on a, on a Tuesday. And uh, a couple of days later, our group came back to do a little dedication just a little talk. We had a little plaque from the person that had funded it and, and, and offered them their keys um, and, and have a prayer. And so we came back two days later and we found that the family, they had moved a few things into the house, but they hadn't moved into the house yet. All, they were still living outside. We were a little concerned that maybe something was wrong. We, you know, culturally we thought maybe we might have missed something and something was insensitive. So we, through a translator, we asked them, how come you haven't moved into the house? And they were with smiles on their faces. They were so lovely, these people. They told us that they hadn't yet had a chance to get all of their family and friends together to the house to have a service, a church service there at the house, just to thank God for their new home. They were, they, they were trying to still get chairs. They didn't have enough chairs. And they had decided that they weren't going to move in until they had done that because they wanted that to be the first and foremost thing that they did as they, as they received the new home. And that, that just hit me hard, right? I thought, like, it would be so easy for me to move my expectation to I need this. I ought to have this. This is basic stuff. And in my life and experience, I'd be so quick to say this is the kind of realm of thing that I have a right to, I ought to have. But this family had what they were doing was gluing their perspective, absolutely gluing it in place to the left side of that table, saying this is something we're grateful for. This is, a, this is a bonus. Everything we have is a bonus and an extra. And I think that perspective is so, so helpful and so valuable for us. So I want to invite us to share that uh, in, our, in, our, in our walks and in our conversations and to reflect on our, our things, but to reflect on our relationships and our, and our reality with God and the promises that he's given us as well. So I hope that's sitting well with everyone, and, uh, and thank you um, for coming and joining us at Pathway Church today. I'm just going to close in some prayer, if I could, and uh, we'll do that together. Father, thank you so much for a chance to, to come and to talk about you and to reflect on you and to worship you and to listen to your word. Thank you for your word that gives us such a great example of how important and wonderful it is to be grateful and a challenge for us to guard our hearts against things that would take us to places that just aren't true. Help us to share, help us to enjoy, and help us most of all to keep perspective on what's right and what's not true when it comes to the things in our lives that we think we ought to have. And we pray that you'll walk with us, and, uh, and we thank you for this, uh, this place in this week, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Pathway Church Podcast. If you'd like to reach out to us, go to our website, pathwaylife.com. And as always, don't forget to subscribe. See you next week.